0: You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. I want to welcome you to the very first, the inaugural Brentwood Baptist Life Group Leader Podcast. Uh, We're excited. I'm here with Paul Wilkinson today. I'm Jay Fennell. Say hello, Paul.
1: Hey, group leaders.
0: And we are excited about um, coming to you through the, the method of a podcast, uh, something that we're venturing into here in 2017 as a way for us to communicate with you a little more. And so let's just talk about that, a few reasons why we feel like this might be a great way for us to, uh, uh, to communicate, to share, to equip, to encourage. You know, the truth is communication is so important and it's so hard also too and with our culture with with uh uh, just the busyness of our lives uh it often makes it difficult sometimes to communicate and so we just want to increase our communication with you to kind of make that more accessible especially as you're on the go so you know one of the things we thought about as we were brainstorming praying thinking is what would it look like to maybe uh Put together a podcast of sorts for for you as a life group leader that maybe you could listen to on your commute to and from work, uh, or maybe at the gym when you're on the treadmill, or maybe in the yard working, or whatever you're doing. Something that you could do while you're doing something else. So, uh, we were thinking about that as a way to communicate with you. So, that was one reason. Another one was we just have a heart to 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 encourage you, to equip you, and we want you to uh, be the you know, an equipped leader that feels confident in your ability to make disciples and to teach God's word to people that God has put into your group. And so we'll use this podcast some for some some talk about best practices and some teaching tools of sorts and things like that, Uh, especially as it relates to some of the curriculum that we're doing, the foundations curriculum. And we're going to be talking a little bit about our newest curriculum. We're going to be starting up here in a few weeks. We're excited about, are we not? Paul.
1: Very much so. Good, robust theology.
0: So it's called Transforming Truths. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But also, too, this podcast we hope to kind of give you some information uh, about some upcoming initiatives, some upcoming events as it relates to life groups uh, on the Brentwood campus. So uh, we're excited about this. We're planning to do one per week, uh, as much as we can, at least. But try to do one weekly. And uh, to get some information out to you, we'll post that. Try to get all that stuff together uh, on iTunes and uh, get, that, get that going. I have no idea how to do all that. But the good thing is we've got people around here that uh, that know how to do that. So Paul is, being, Paul is one. So I uh, wanted to also just kind of move into real quick a few announcements uh, just before we get started talking a little bit about the very first uh, lesson in our new curriculum that will be rolling out on the 22nd of January. Uh, The uh, Transforming Truths is our newest curriculum, and as I just said, it's going to be launched on January the 22nd. By now, you've uh, received, uh, over the last few weeks, uh, books in your classrooms. If you're a Sunday morning group, if you're an off-campus group, uh, you can get those in the Discipleship Center in the Atrium. But those those uh, that curriculum begins on the twenty second It's also in line with our sermon series that our campus pastors will be preaching through the first seven weeks. so the first seven lessons we' asking you to to teach in your life groups at least, but we'd also would love it if you continue and to finish all thirteen lessons. I think it would be very, very worth the time to do that., uh, but that begins on the twenty second. and in addition to that, uh, beginning on the eighteenth, which is just in a few days. Uh, We're going to have a theology roundtable, we're calling it, and it's going to be on Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock, in Wilson Hall B. Is that right, Paul?
1: Yes, Wilson Hall B, 6 p.m.
0: Talk to us a little bit about what uh, our hopes and outcomes are for that particular roundtable time.
1: The goal is to have an open, free-flowing discussion back and forth between group leaders and us. Um, So hopefully they'll come with questions. You guys will have questions about the text, wherever you want to take it, really. We'll certainly come with some material on historical theology, biblical theology, the way certain doctrines have been abused over the years. And we'll just go back and forth, and hopefully we'll all be better prepared so that we can just teach out our overflow. It'll be a great time of fellowship, a great time of chasing after the Lord.
0: And so we'll at least do those uh, over the first seven weeks of the lessons. And if we want to continue, if we feel like it's going to be something that will bring value to your leadership and to your teaching, we'll we'll plan to continue that hopefully through the end of the the time, uh, 13 weeks of the curriculum. But uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, We hope it will be more discussion based than anything great opportunity for us to ask questions and learn from one another. So we're also going to kind of make it available to our church at large, and but it's going to be geared toward Life Group leaders who are teaching the Foundation's curriculum, this Transforming Truths curriculum. I also want to let you know about Group Connect, which will be coming up later this month, January the 29th, Sunday. Uh, they will, we'll have some feature groups that we want to uh, uh, let folks know about, some off-campus and on-campus groups uh, that will uh, be in the atrium during that morning. But for most of our Sunday morning on-campus groups, it's going to be in the form of an open house. And so we're going to invite folks that are not connected to uh, try out some of our on-campus groups that meet on Sunday morning. I mean, our on-campus groups that meet on Sunday morning. We'll have some details for you on that. And uh, hopefully you've received some some information on that already and hope that you'll get geared up and get your group ready and really just be praying that God would bring some folks that are unconnected, who are not a biblical community, uh, an opportunity for them to plug in and to find some relationships and friendships so that they can so they're not doing life alone, that they're growing together with others um, who are going in the same direction. So really important day as we highlight group life and we'll have a testimony and worship about it. It's going to be a great day. So if you have any questions about that, please get in touch with Paul and I. Also, wanted to let you know quickly about uh, spring meetings, this our, our annual one on ones that we have with you as a life group leader to kind of talk about your group, pray for you, uh, pray for your group together, talk about next steps. We'll be starting those February the 1st. We'll have more information about that to kind of set up a lunch with you or a coffee to kind of talk about some of the challenges you're facing or celebrate with you about some things. It's always a good time for us to connect with you. And Paul is really excited about doing that this year. Uh, he's already asking me all the time, when can we get this spring meetings cranked up? No, he's not doing that, but I know I can see it in his eyes. But also the last thing I want to let you know, just as a terms of putting it on your calendar is Engage Middle Tennessee. We did this last year in April. It was a great success. We had a number of our groups participate. It was a cross campus initiative all across uh, Brentwood Baptist Church. We're doing that again this year. It's going to be on April the 8th, Saturday the 8th. We'll have more details about that, but just want to let you know about, about that coming up. All right, well, let's, let's jump into then now uh, a little bit of conversation about uh, the Transforming Truths curriculum, and in particular, lesson number one, lesson one, which is on the resurrection. Now, this, this study we're excited about. It's a study of some basic, some core theological truths that all Christ followers should know, that we think that all Christ followers should know and learn from maturing faith. Just some really good lessons, lessons on the resurrection, lesson on, lessons on the Trinity, the nature of God, uh, sin. Some of those things are really important that we just know foundationally for our faith. And you, when you start talking about the study of theology, sometimes that can make people's heads explode. Uh, especially some uh, believers who just really want you to tell them what it says and how to how, what the Bible says and how to apply it to their lives and uh, don't really want to think deeply about what it means to follow Christ and, 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 and think deeply about what the Scriptures say about God and who God is and what He is doing. And so the study of theology is so incredibly important. Why do you think it's important, Paul? Talk to us about why studying theology is so crucial to the growth of a believer.
1: Because if the believer is living uh, according to the Spirit, uh, in the way the Word provides, then theology ought to permeate everything that they do. When they pray, it makes a big difference if you know some truth about the being to whom you're praying, that you're asking to influence your life or become involved in your life. Whether you believe that the Spirit is indwelling you, living with you day by day, moment by moment, makes a big difference on your boldness in evangelism, on your boldness in witnessing to how your life has been changed. Theology is something we can't get away from because we believe in a God who's always at work and a God who's sovereign over the entire universe.
0: You know, the whole even the word theology, uh, broken down, uh, means, you know, the word theos is the word in the Greek for God, and the word logos is the word in the Greek for word or the study of. So when you put those words together, the theology is the study of God and, or having thoughts about God. So all of us, therefore, then, uh, are theologians, are we not? Yeah, that's
1: right, and my favorite living philosopher anyway, Alvin Plantinga, defines philosophy as thinking hard about something, and I think a simple definition for theology would just be thinking hard about God, about your experiences in life, and how does that reflect on the God you believe in, or the other way around, how does the God you believe in influence the way you're living out your life? It's just critical reflection, it's just thinking hard about the being in whom we're called to have total satisfaction and delight and joy forever.
0: So all of us are theologians, whether or not we have a degree from a seminary or not. We're called to uh, study God, to know more about him. And that might be something you might want to even mention to your life group leaders. I mean, I'm sorry, to your life group participants, folks in your group. Hey, we're all called to be theologians. And so therefore, you know, we need to really be diligent in the word uh, and to really find out what God's word says about himself. The word, you know. God's word and what he how how he's chosen to reveal himself through his word is really crucial for us to know. So in this particular study, uh, we're starting with the resurrection. The resurrection, foundational to our faith. Uh, lesson one on the resurrection. Paul, why do you think it's important of all the theological truths that we could unpack to start with that one, the resurrection?
1: Uh, primarily because it's the basis on which we believe the rest of what we know about Messiah, what we know about the kingdom, what we know about who we've been called to be and what we've been called to do, is the resurrection that affords the credentials to who Christ claimed to be and what Christ claims to have done in in the crucifixion for us.
0: Mm-hmm. And so we start with, in this very first chapter, uh, in the very first lesson, the key focal passage is comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. It's a great passage of Scripture, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church about the fact of the resurrection of Christ and, and its importance to the lives of a believer. And I'm not going to take the time to read all of it because it may take a little bit more time than we want, but there are some things I think worth mentioning as you read the, 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 uh, the, the Scriptures, maybe that stand out. And one of those things, for me at least, that uh, I really, and there's lots of things you could choose, but I think some of the things that that I look at that really stand out to me comes from verses uh, verses 14 and 16 of chapter 15. And uh, this is what Paul writes in verse 14. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And then on down in verse 16, Paul again says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's a pretty, those are some bold statements uh, to, to consider and when you think about the importance of the resurrection to our lives, the importance of the resurrection to our gospel. Uh, talk to us, Paul, for just a second about, some of the implications then as to if indeed the resurrection isn't true, how does that impact our lives today? In
1: many ways, really. Uh, the, the major one there, Paul mentions we're still in our sins, is the fact that we're still waiting for Messiah, that what Christ claimed to be and to do in his suffering and death is false. He, he didn't accomplish it. So we're still waiting for the one who is to redeem us. We're still trapped in our fallen nature, we're not regenerate, we're not, um, the Bible would say, I would go so far as to say, we're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Comforter really wasn't left after uh, Christ ascended. So if there is no resurrection, then then we're still trapped. We're still fallen. We're no different than the state of Adam.
0: And, uh, you know, it's so crucial, uh, obviously, to, um, uh, to to really, you know, focus in, I think, when we're teaching this lesson to really maybe unpack that a lot with your group uh, to kind of talk about the implications and maybe even ask the question, uh, why is our faith worthless without the resurrection? How does it impact our lives today? I think that would be a great conversation uh, to have with some of the folks and perhaps they've never even thought about those things before. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, I do want to mention, and um, we're re- talking about this particular uh idea, the whole idea of, of our faith is worthless without the resurrection, if you turn to the travelogue in page 14 and 15, the author, Dr. Didway, does a really good job of really unpacking five specific things that, um, that would be true without Christ's resurrection in our lives. And so you might want to spend a lot of time really thinking about, thinking through those and I would say, if if anything, if, if our people understood those five truths after the lesson, if you finished teaching this particular lesson this that week, um, man, that that would be that would be a lot. That would be really really crucial.
1: Yeah, it'd be a major takeaway. Uh, one, because they would understand their identity more deeply in Christ post resurrection as they're living in this inaugurated kingdom of God as regenerate believers and new creations, and they would also. Study the rest of this theology in light of that resurrection. So now when you talk about atonement, when you talk about eschatology and the new heavens and new earth, when you talk about who Christ is, Christology, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, all of that is grounded in the resurrection of Christ as an historical event.
0: I want to ask another question. One of the things that really uh, impresses me, impresses on my heart, is just the, the, the reality of the resurrection of the life of the disciples. I mean, you think about the disciples, uh, these men that have walked around with Jesus for years, at least for three years. Christ, uh, put yourself in their spot right after uh, Christ's crucifixion and death. They are, they're worried, they're concerned, they're uh, unsure of the next steps in the future. And they're afraid and they don't know what's going to happen. But when the reality of the resurrection hits them and they know for a fact that it's true, their response is completely different. Uh, they move out of the upper room, hiding themselves to boldly declaring the gospel in public places. And they are indwelt with the spirit of God. There's this power that they have as they, as they go around and they share the gospel with people. The resurrection turbo boosted their faith in Christ. It validated who Christ said he was going to be. And, um, and that's a, it's an amazing truth, I think, that's worth mentioning about how important the resurrection is to the, to the believer. It should give us confidence as we go out into the world and minister to people and share the gospel, uh, knowing that uh, this, this, uh, this Christ that we worship is a risen, alive Messiah who is empowering us to do the work that he's called us to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great way to kick off your discussions on Sunday morning, when you cover this uh, resurrection lesson, the teaching plans, which can be found at adults.journeyonleadership.com under the curriculum tab, foundations, each of these chapters, each of these lessons is going to have a teaching plan with it. And in this one, it suggests writing on your whiteboard or sheet, whatever you have in your room, wherever you meet, what are some of the major turning points in world history? and then it references some of the ones that were given to a major website, the advent of fire, the mention of the wheel, language, internet, these sorts of things. But I think Jay's really struck on it. Why is it the case that we can go live the life as Christians, boldly die for our faith, die for the word, uh, seek the benefit of others with no care for ourselves? It's precisely because we've come to the awareness of the historical resurrection. So the primary turning point of the history for the magnificent effect throughout the entirety of the cosmos is really the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
0: Turning point in all of history and a turning point in our lives, you know, as a, as a, as a believer, someone who's put your faith in Christ, it's uh, uh, definitely a turning point. So one last thing to, to I wanted to ask Paul, um, you know, oftentimes we, we, we talk a lot about Christ's death, his, his crucifixion, the fact that he died for us, died for our sins. Um, uh, as, a, as a penalty uh, for the sins of all all the world. But oftentimes we don't talk about the resurrection. And I think it's important that sometimes we we combine the two, right? I mean, that we that, uh, the, the crucifixion and resurrection go together, they come in a pair. Talk to us in just a few seconds about that.
1: Certainly. And N.T. Wright's done a lot of work to this end, that the Jewish mindset in Jesus' day of Messiah was that it was a conquering, hero come to restore the davidic throne for all time and to establish the kingdom of god forever against israel's foes now we know the old testament had that aspect but also the suffering servant who would die and redeem his people that there'd be some delay as the kingdom expands but that wasn't the jewish mindset and this is why as jay mentioned earlier the disciples were so afraid is because when your messiah dies you either got to find a new one or he just wasn't it you've you, you're hopeless because the guy you expected to be the one that restores the Davidic throne is now gone. So they were afraid for those three days until they see him in these post mortal and physical bodily appearances. And now they can go do the work because now he's solidified and guaranteed by the Father to be the very Messiah to redeem Israel. So without the resurrection, the crucifixion is really just some, some guy dying.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're excited about how God is going to use you, particularly, and um, and also use some of this material to really help draw people closer to Himself. And I want you to know that we're praying for you as a leader, and we want the best for you. We want you to know that we are praying for you, and whatever you need in terms of resources and helps, or some, some um, you know phone call or or whatever you need from us, uh, that would in a way that that we could encourage you to further equip you. We want to do that. So we're grateful for you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We look forward to hearing about how um, God uses you to uh, teach this first lesson on the resurrection. Any departing words, Paul?
1: We're proud of you. We're blessed to have you, and we're honored to serve beside you. And It's going to be an exciting time.
0: Thank you so much, and we'll uh, we'll see, see you and talk to you again next week. Thank you.